Are you curious about bodies, pleasure, and possibilities? And what about curious about what others are up to on the planet when it comes to pleasure, sex, and play? Have you considered what pleasure can do for your life, your body, and your bank account? Do you know something magical, delightful, and out of this world orgasmic is not only possible for you, but totally available to you? If you're ready to be the magical, sexual, sexy beast you know you can be, and you just need the tools to get there, you're in the right place. Now, here's the host of The Pleasure Zone, sensual movement artist, relationship and sex alchemist, Milica Yelenich. Welcome back to all of you who listen to this show all the time. I'm so grateful for you. My sweet pleasure seekers, like without you guys, why would I be making shows? So it's been over 380 episodes, I believe, and we're heading into our fourth 400th, uh, I know around February of this year. <clears throat> and I'm so grateful for the listeners because without listeners, what would I be doing? I'd be talking to the air. And I love to hear from you listeners as well. So if you're out there, um, feel free. You can always write to me. I love it when people actually take take the time to send me an email. And I totally appreciate that. You can send me questions if you like. You can always go onto my website as well and book 15 minutes with me to have a chat and see if uh, if I can contribute to you in any way. So one of the things that... Uh, I talk about on the show a lot, if you're new, is we talk a lot about sex and bodies and intimacy and relationships. And one of the things that I realized that I failed to talk about in all these over 300 episodes, uh, specifically talk about, I mean, I've brought it up briefly to to um, state that a lot of the studies that I uh, were looking at had to do with neurotypical people. Um, but today we're going to have a specific show for all of all of you out there who are neurodiverse. And um, this show is dedicated to my child. So for those of you who are neurodiverse, you might find that it's not always that easy to socialize with people. You might find that social cues are very strange or confusing. Um, and so having a sex and intimacy show and not including neurodiverse people has, has been um, interesting because a lot of the tips and tools I give, a lot of them are for people who are neurotypical. So I, uh, I loved the thought that came to my mind yesterday while asking my child, what do you think, what comes up for you around... <laughs> Uh, all things to do with sex and intimacy and you know do you have any ideas do your friends talk about anything and then I realized as I was asking that I was like oh most of your friends are neurodiverse oh right and so are you oh right okay so you actually don't have um, necessarily the same way of approaching things that other people have that I've been talking about all this time, which was very cool. I think I have some neurodiverse tendencies, but uh, I have also learned a lot of tools to be able to socialize. And not that that was 
necessarily easy. Everybody always thought I was really grumpy as a child, but I actually wasn't grumpy. I just didn't know I was supposed to smile at people. If they smiled at me, they would smile at me and I would think, what do you want from me? <laughs> that would be my, that was my first thought. It wasn't, oh, they're smiling. I'm smiling back. I would probably get more discerning. Every single picture of me until about the age of 10 or 11 uh, 10 or 11, I started to get that when people smile, you smile back, it makes them smile more. But before that, I didn't understand that at all. It was so weird to me. People smiling at me was, and I felt like it was a judgment. It was really interesting what I felt. So um, yes, I might be a little neurodiverse myself. So I've never been tested, so I'm not going to claim it or proclaim it, but it's possible. So there is like a very general assumption that people are in control of things like their words and their actions and their emotions, and that everybody understands the unspoken or the unwritten and, you know, different mysterious rules of uh, social engagement. But that is not true. Right. So it doesn't that is not true, especially for anybody who is neurodivergent. Certain things um, or challenges with communication can come up. Right. So like I was saying about the social cues of somebody smiling and you're supposed to smile back and I would look at them and go like, what? What do you like? What do you want from me? Like what? Um, even to this day, people think sometimes and I've because one of the things I do in uh, my business is that I, when I get on people, uh, when I get on calls with people to do coaching and things like that on video, and you might even notice it when I talk, is when I talk, my eyes go everywhere. And it's not, uh, you know, people are like, just look at me. And, and it actually takes me practice to do that. So when when I do that, it could be very, it has to be very intentional. So I try my best to keep my eyes on on uh, straight ahead, but um, it's um, my habit of thinking my eyes move around everywhere. And so it's a bit of a challenge. And I think people think I'm wafting off or drifting off. I'm not drifting off. I'm actually here, but my brain is working at the same time. I'm with you and I have 72 thoughts at the same time. So I get that that can be awkward for people, especially when they're um, looking to have like direct contact. Luckily, everybody in our household is a little neurodiverse. So we all have those tendencies. And so for us, um, we tend to not even look at each other when we talk unless we have to. Um, in circumstances like my um, lover husband is hard of hearing. So in order to talk uh, to him, for him to hear me, I have to talk right to his face, which is a challenge for me. It's um, because it's being incredibly, <laughs> incredibly personal. And, and looking at people is really a great way to connect. Absolutely. And, you know, if you're a little, a little or a lot neurodiverse, it can be challenging. And sometimes you stare and you don't even realize you're doing it either. So uh, I was I was at a restaurant, this is about eight years ago. I was with um, my child and my hubby, and I don't know, I, I saw a baby and I couldn't, st my eyes wouldn't like leave the baby. I was staring at the baby. And the mother from across the restaurant yelled at me and said, What are you looking at? And I was like, 
you, I guess. I don't even know. <laughs> um, yeah, she was a little, she had a little bit of an extreme reaction to the fact that I was zoned out. So, yeah, so having social, uh, like having some social pressures put on you for the way you're supposed to show up and the way you're supposed to socialize can be incredibly tricky when these things are all like a mystery. <laughs> it's sometimes hard to tap into them. And sometimes when you're super neurodiverse, you actually have a hypersensitivity and awareness of things, of other people's you know, thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And you don't really know what to do with them because you're feeling everybody's feelings and they all get jumbled up. So then, you know, you might just want to run and hide because it's overburdening. So yeah, challenges. Definitely there are are challenges when you're neurodiverse compared to when you're neurotypical. Neurotypical people seem to be able to have conversations and and keep eye contact without looking away. And uh, neurotypical people can do a few other things too that I find, um, and you know, always amusing. And so, so yeah, like what can I say about that? is like they seem to understand when to stop talking too. Where for me, I mean, it's a beautiful thing to have a radio show because I talk a lot and I don't necessarily have a lot of filter. So uh, what a beautiful way to show up in the world and be able to uh, not filter myself, say what I know, <laughs> and uh, you know, always uh, be showing up, always be showing up being willing to just say anything and not worry about, that because I don't really even have too much of a, a feeling or an idea if people are going to necessarily like my shows or not. I just make them for me. And if you guys like them, that's awesome. And if you don't, that's awesome too. Then that means you probably either haven't listened or you listened to one that wasn't your thing and assumed all my shows were the same. But yeah, it's hard to say. Anyhow, let's get back to how interesting it is to socialize as a neurodivergent person. And I'm going off on tangents today. I'm like actually surrendering to any part of me that is neurodiverse, which um, is probably a big part, bigger part than I like want to admit to, or maybe it's a bigger part than I'm aware of and I don't mind admitting to it, who knows? So neurodiverse experiences can be very different in, um, in, social, in social environments like I've watched this too. My my child goes to a youth group and most of the kids in the group are neurodiverse. And when they socialize, um, they're all in a room together and they they don't necessarily talk to each other. They might all be like reading books, but there's their version of socializing is very much like an introverted version of socializing. Um, some of them talk a lot which is also can be a neurodiverse thing as well. But uh, they all seem to have a very, like if I were to look at a room of, of neurotypical kids and a room of neurodiverse kids, they definitely socialize differently. And um, it's just a fascinating thing to, to get to be part of, right? So when, um, when I find that I'm trying to engage conversation with somebody who's uh, neurodiverse, 
I'm, I actually need to be willing to go in 35 directions and possibly come, possibly come back to the original topic, but I might not. And, but neurotypical people, they can like follow a line of thought. And so all these years, almost over eight years of having a radio show, I'm getting a lot better at staying on topic. My original shows were really, um, they would go in 35 different directions in five minutes. And so now I'm kind of learning more on how to actually deliver information that is uh, like congruent with the topic and uh, consistent with the topic. So that is, that has been fun too. So one of the things too, that a lot of neurodiverse people go through with so in social environments. And I was just thinking about my show where uh, I could have had a lot of anxiety around it. I used to have a lot of anxiety about all kinds of things when I would be in public. And so I would talk really fast or I would ignore things, or I would literally have panic attacks being in public. And um, as I started to understand that and get some healing around it, get more awareness around it, uh, I was able to be more public. And so now I can have conversations with you guys on you know, video and chat with you all uh, and not feel super anxious. Um, luckily, I don't have a lot of people who stare at me on my live show that I'm aware of, like I don't get to see it. <laughs> so that helps so I can just show up and be myself. And otherwise, yeah, like that feeling of, um, you know, the anxiety and all of these things can be really high. Like the feeling of anxiety can be really high when you're neurodiverse. I mean, you're feeling everybody's anxieties as well and everybody's feelings and you don't really know what to do with it. So the more I learned about empathy and being empathic, the more I learned about how my brain is a little bit different, possibly maybe a lot different, I don't really know. Um, that really helped me to be able to have better and more interesting interactions with people. I'm definitely more, uh, I think I'm definitely more um, focused, even though right there I went off track and was staring at a bird. <laughs> but that's what happens. I can be staring at a bird and I can be having a conversation with you guys. That's the fun of neurodivergence. <laughs> so uh, it's it's funny because the, like I was saying, like some people will talk more, some people won't talk at all. But, you know, and some people might communicate through different cues. So we've got verbal and nonverbal communication as well. And some people who are neurodiverse are nonverbal, and some people are, are primarily nonverbal. They might make some verbal cues, and some people are highly verbal where you just can't stop them from talking. So there's not like any one particular thing that would say this makes you um, neurodiverse. I think you you actually would have to get tested for that. And I've never been. So again, I can't claim it, but I feel like I identify somewhat as neurodiverse. Um, or or I was never trained, I was never taught how to socialize well, because my parents are neurodiverse. So I might have mimicked them and maybe I'm not, but I mimicked them. It's hard to say. I don't really know. So you can just check in with yourself too and just see like, what do you prefer? Do you prefer verbal or nonverbal communication? 
And we'll look at more of that on, you know, socializing and figuring out how to have relationships when you're neurodivergent and how do you like have a relationship with people? It might be trickier. It might be different. So learning how to do that, we're going to be looking at that in the next segment. So you're listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network, and we'll be right back after this commercial. Are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melitza Yelenich, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich, you'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for the Pleasure Zone with Melitza. Every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email becomeahost at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich. To participate in the program today, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email, info at melitzayelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome, my sweet pleasure seekers. Today we're talking about you know, communication um, and simple tips for neurodiverse socializing and relationship development. So um, I say communication because um, I got sidetracked in my brain. And the next part that we're talking about is going to be verbal and nonverbal cues and um, communication. But there's verbal and nonverbal. And within the nonverbal, I'm going to add a few things that I don't think are really talked about a lot in like psychology. So I'm going to add some things to, to what's already on, uh, what people are already talking about. So verbal cues are basically anything where we use to um, communicate an idea with words, you know, doesn't, you know, even if the words are like, that's like a word. So we're communicating with a word. And then we have nonverbal communication, uh, which is mostly through things like behaviors, body language and demeanor. But under nonverbal, I'd also like to add energetic. So energetic communication is part of the nonverbal communication. Energetic communication is actually our first form of communication. Um, without it, we wouldn't have lived. So our, our parents had to be, or whoever our caregivers were, had to be able to pick up on our energetic cues 
and our nonverbal cues and communications in order to help us survive and thrive, right? So to feed us, to clean us, to all those things when we couldn't talk, all those nonverbal cues, those are both energetic, body language. Um, and for people who are nonverbal adults, those things like energetics come into play in a huge way. I have a, a niece who's nonverbal and she's, I think, 20 or 21, but she is a dynamic energy communicator. Like she will she will project information loud and clear. <laughs> so if you're willing to like receive her information, she'll send you entire videos to your head. So that's kind of fun. And uh, also with nonverbal things, um, things like body language and different uh, communications, even like hand gestures or uh, different, there are different ways. Uh, as long as, you know, the people who are in your life understand your nonverbal communication, that is really helpful. But if the people in your life are don't understand your nonverbal cues or communication, and they insist that you try and be verbal when verbal doesn't work for you, it's uh, that can cause issues. So allow the person to communicate in the way that's easiest and best for them so that they're not walking around with you know, anxieties over trying to fit in and trying to make things work, trying to make you more comfortable. So, yeah, because a lot of times neurodiverse people don't really know how to make the neurotypical people comfortable. It's next to impossible. So when doing research for this, I have to say that the more I read, the more I went, okay, yeah, I'm a little bit more neurodiverse than I was aware of. So there, I'm going to share with you some verbal communication tips that um, I was doing some research on. And one of them is about, so verbal communication tips on getting into conversations, entering a conversation. So if a conversation is already going on and you are intrigued by it and you'd like to enter into that conversation, it's important to be respectful, to listen, to, um, and then to ask kind of permission to join in the conversation. Like, oh, that's very interesting. Can I, can I listen in on this conversation? That's very interesting. Um, do you mind if I share uh, my thoughts on that? So that is something that would have been helpful for me to know growing up because I am a nosy parker and whenever I hear conversations, even at a restaurant, I tend to like want to jump in and, and talk to people. I've actually met clients that way because I am a nosy parker, <laughs> but um, I choose to not be that nosy anymore. And actually the other day I was at a restaurant with a friend of mine and um I was so totally in the conversation of the neighbor's table. I was in the conversation with my friend as well, but the neighbor's table was far more interesting um, as it was two, you know, two uh, gay boys having a great date. And I was like so happy for them. Uh, and I was really trying my best not to dive into the conversation and assist them in communicating with each other because they were having a communication challenges and I was like oh 
I can, I tried to, I almost jumped in and I didn't, I was so proud of myself that I didn't jump in and just rescue the day because uh, I was so close to it. But being respectful, yes, part of being respectful is not actually joining in, in people's conversation. And, and I really am trying not to do that. Something about my ears pick up certain words and conversation. And then I'm like intrigued and I zone in and hone in and want to know more about what are they saying yes it is nosy so yeah practicing to not do that so much um because i i realized that people don't actually like when i do that i know surprise but um i'm learning i'm learning i'm 47 and i'm still learning so isn't that cool so actually participating in conversations can be interesting so always remember to like show up as yourself try not to like be somebody else in the conversation and by that i mean um like if you're in a conversation with somebody and they're like omg i love marvel characters and you're like yeah i'm not into marvel um at all like i prefer sci-fi and i prefer this it's to show up genuinely yourself especially it can be sometimes tricky if you're trying to fit in or you're trying to find friends that you might find yourself just uh, agreeing to things even though even though it's not really who you are uh, which can cause some issues later on but as long as you are aware of it too because sometimes when you're neurodiverse and you're just like yes I do that too yes I do that too it, it can also just be like a habit of wanting to be included so yeah it's and to admit that after too like uh, my child has a friend who said said uh, like one of the first days i met them he said so he had he had a comment and and i was like well that's really weird and i can't remember what it is exactly but about three days later he sent a text and he said i don't know why i said to your mom that i i did a b and c i don't actually do that i think my brain just got away with me and i started saying things that were like not even true about me and i was like hey that's cool that's pretty neurodiverse <laughs> because it's just like something that might have happened to come out of um, this person's mouth and they didn't mean to like lie about it it was just uh it was <clears throat> just a desire to fit in so um and also in conversation so always be yourself show up as yourself if people are going to like you they're going to like you for exactly who you are then and you don't have to put on a facade although facades are interesting because they tend to show up when there's been trauma and sometimes you know being in situations where you feel rejected is very traumatic so it's um it's a fine line of things that we weave so be yourself be genuine show up talk about the things that you like ask questions actually too so i tended to and have tended to be a bit of a a bit of an interviewer of people when i meet them i will ask a billion questions and my actually i have a, a friend a friend of mine has a couple of kids and they're and so they went to school with my child and when they come to visit they all come together because the mom said you know how to have conversations 
Uh, you know how to ask questions to have conversations and we don't. So they're neurodiverse in the way that they don't know how to ask questions. And I'm neurodiverse in the way that all I do is ask questions like an interview. And sometimes I need to be, stop and like become aware of myself and pause. And that's another thing to understand how to do too, is how to pause pause but or you can just get yourself a podcast and talk for an hour non-stop and you don't have to pause in fact pausing on a podcast is not the best thing so i think that you know for me practicing um i practice pausing after i do my shows but during my show i can like totally show up as me and talk and talk and go off the rails on different things and like go in 35 different directions, which is a beautiful thing. And you guys get to witness that. How fun for you, voyeurs of my wacky wild brain. So practicing pausing um, before you make any responses or before you make any conclusions, like, so stop, breathe. I'm just saying, like, can I add to this conversation? Will this be a contribution? Can these people hear what I'm going to say? So I ask a lot of questions of myself now before I answer. Um, and again, that took practice. And like, I'm still practicing it because every once in a while, certain there are certain topics that will just set me off and I will feel compelled to jump in and either rescue the people from their lack of knowledge, or um, I'll feel like I need to jump in because um, my bullshit alarms are going off and I'm like, no, that's not true, bullshit. And then I feel like I have to say something, but now it's okay. Like I'm getting a lot better at letting people just have their own thoughts and lack of information and whatever, it's fine. Um, it's a practice. I wouldn't say it's fine. It's a practice and I'm getting there. <laughs> so, so yes, I might've said it's fine, but we know what that means. We know that it's a mm, irritable, neurotic, that sort of thing. Right. So, yeah. so another thing to look at uh, when, you know, working in conversations, if you're uh, neurodiverse is not to worry if you miss something like, even when I'm on my show, I sometimes go back and I go, oh, I, I forgot like these three points. They were like important points and I didn't talk about them. So if you miss something, don't worry about it. Um, especially you'll get the information that you need and you can, you know, come back to it and ask. It's like, I didn't, I didn't quite get what you said. Um, do you mind repeating yourself? But you might also notice that if you just stay with the conversation, if you're in a group of people and they're talking and you missed something, sometimes if you stay with the conversation, you'll realize that uh, you'll realize what the conversation is, but you might also realize that the conversation is going in 35 directions because maybe all your friends are neurodiverse. So the conversation might've started out as how to make cookies and then you landed on Star Trek or Star Wars or something and you don't know how that happened, but you know, somewhere in there, a character ate cookies and then they remembered that and it all came out. So that can happen. So if you stick with the conversation, Usually you'll figure out what's going on, but if you don't, then just ride the wave because maybe that wave is a really big tangent that not anybody in the conversation knows what's happening. It could be a really big tangent. My child and I go on some really diverse tangents that if anybody was witnessing our conversations, 
would absolutely think we're nuts. But it's not that. It's that we uh, we ride each other's waves of tangents, and they go in very, very many directions. And probably only we follow that. Maybe some other people can follow our insan insanity of conversations, but probably not always. All right, we're going to come back and talk more about more uh, tips and tools for uh, for having conversations and relationships if you're neurodiverse. So we're going to head to our next commercial break here on Inspired Choices Network. You're listening to The Pleasure Zone. Are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melitza Yelenich, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich. You'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life, and quite possibly, other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Milica every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Interested in masturbating for money, copulating for consciousness, and pleasuring on purpose? 21 Days of Sexual Magicism with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich is an exploration of tools, processes, and actions that you can use to create more for your life, your body, your money inflows, and so much more. Graduated learning for all levels of interest. Learn at your own pace via video classes or join the yearly live class. Take a peek at www.melitzayelenich.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows, along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. This is The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich. To participate in the program today, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email, info at melitzayelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, my sweet, sweet pleasure seekers. So today we're talking about... Um, you know, looking at socializing and relationships for, and how to create relationships for people who are neurodiverse. So, which, um, if you've been listening, you may realize that I'm probably on the spectrum. So, anyhow, not been diagnosed, so I'm not not totally sure. But 
uh, so just before we went to break, uh, was talking about different ways to be in conversations with people, verbal, uh, like verbal ways to be in conversation with people. One of the, um, some of the tips that I found through my research are pretty fun and interesting. And uh, so go back and listen to the ones that I did talk about already. One of the other ones that uh, that comes up is to avoid giving direction or directives to people, like telling people what to do. For example, you should break up with so-and-so. Instead, that would be a directive. Or you could try something more like, um, you know, have you have you considered, you know, if this relationship is working for you or not? Have you considered that maybe it's time to evaluate this relationship? Have you evaluated this relationship? So some of those things can be helpful because um, giving directives, people make it kind of like angry at you, even though in your gut, your gut instinct is like, you know that that's probably the best thing to do. You should probably break up. But um, that is not exactly what's going to come out of your mouth. Like if that comes out of your mouth, it's going to sound very abrupt and the person will really kind of get their back up against a wall. So evaluating evaluate the situation see there's some different consider this evaluate that using some keywords like that can be helpful um i literally had to learn like a whole bunch of new words and language to be able to say what i actually felt because i didn't have quite the language under my belt um probably until i was about 35 or 36 i started to get more language under my belt that made more sense to how i felt and what i was experiencing so, um, yeah, so remember, too, that, you know, not everybody can hear you at a super speed. Like if you talk really, really fast, you'll notice that in my first shows, I talked really fast um, and I've been practicing slowing down. And every once in a while I get into speed zone, but I do try to practice speaking at a speed that um, that neurotypical people will hear. Um, because neurodiverse, like my mom is neurodiverse and she listens to everything on like triple speed uh, or double speed or triple speed, whatever the highest speed she can listen to it at. Uh, she listens to it at the fastest possible and it's for her brain, it works a lot better. Slow really bugs her brain. So I'm hoping that if you are neurodiverse and you like listening to the show that you have whatever platform you're on you're able to listen to it super fast at the speed that just like gets your brain happy and excited so so some things to look at in conversations is like looking at people's facial expressions too like do they look shocked do they look um you know sad so in if you've ever watched or never watched uh, big bang theory sheldon took a lot of time learning what verbal cues are and then he would be like really proud of himself when he could when he was like oh your face is telling me that you look sad you're sad and he'd be like oh i got that one right i i understood that one yeah so we get it so i think um sheldon is like a fine example of neurodiversity there's also a sh there was a show and i don't know if it's still on netflix it was called atypical um and the main character was neurodiverse so some there's some examples more and more coming out in the media and different um things so we can actually see you know that and and so for people who are neurotypical you can actually see that 
how people from a different perspective, how people struggle. So when you meet somebody who is neurodiverse or having a conversation with them, you know, you don't necessarily walk away thinking that there's something wrong with them. Uh, or like, why can't you just calm down? Why can't you stand still? Why can't you stop twitching or whatever? Uh, yeah, because you can't. So, and you don't need to be medicated for those things. In fact, twitching, if you twitch a lot, you can actually lose uh, calories. Like it's a calorie burner. So twitch and twitch, unless it's hurting you and physically harming you, twitch all you like. So... So now we know, like, we know how to get into a conversation. If there's already a conversation going on, how to kind of start conversations, uh, too. You can start conversations with even just a simple, hello, what's your name? You know, that sort of thing. But exiting conversations can be uh, sometimes tricky, as sometimes you might just feel like, well, the conversation's done, and you just want to get up and leave. <laughs> and I, I know that one. <laughs> but... Yeah, so taking some deep breaths when you're in that, I find can be helpful. And you're like, okay, this conversation's not done. Okay, I'm just going to be present and I'm going to breathe. And then, um, then when you are ready, it's good to say, okay, I, I need to get, I need to leave this conversation now. Uh, and you can actually state it, um, and or to say, look, my brain is very full right now, or I'm, my brain is exhausted. I need space. Uh, whatever it happens to be, um, you can state it and then you can take care of yourself and leave the conversation. You can also just say it was so nice seeing you or so nice talking to you. Um, looking forward to doing that again. Bye. Something like that. See you soon. Talk to you later. So if a person does need to leave the conversation, uh, or if you need to leave the conversation, you can say stuff like that. And if if another person says those things, honor that because they they are you know trying to exit the conversation. So my dad never understands when I say that to him. He is he lingers. He's a lingerer. And I'll say, okay, I'm I gotta go now, Dad. And he's like, and then eventually I sometimes have to just hang up on him, which then he's like, well, that was rude. I'm like, but, but I told you I needed to get off the phone because I actually have clients and I need to do stuff. And um, yeah, so I get that he can get offended by it. But again, he's like 85 and or we're going to be 85 and um, his, he doesn't quite get those uh, verbal verbal cues very easily, even though we're speaking the same language, <laughs> nonverbal cues. In, in person, he gets the nonverbal cues, like if I actually get up and leave, he gets that, but even then he'll sometimes keep talking, like he's done that before, when I go to leave his apartment, my, I'm like, Dad, I gotta leave, and I'm walking out the door, and he's still talking, I'm like, Dad, I'm leaving, I'm gone, bye, <laughs> so... Yeah, he doesn't get those verbal cues, but please honor people's cues, verbal or nonverbal, when they get up to leave, because it can be incredibly stressful uh, for them to keep maintaining the conversation. And even for you, if that if somebody was trying to continually engage you in conversation and your brain felt just overdone, you'd probably just want to be able to get up and leave. So honor that and honor that for them and honor it for you. So one of the things with body language and facial expressions to look for um, with a lot of times, like if you're having a conversation with somebody who's like neurotypical, you're going to find that they look calm and they look more open. Like, so their arms might be open 
Um, they might be looking at you. They might be breathing calmly. So, and they might actually like lean into the conversation. So if otherwise they might turn away from you slightly, or they might, if they're not interested, they might turn away. They might be trying to escape. They might um, talk over you or, yeah. So there might be different ways that they're expressing that if they're interested or not, or if they're comfortable or not. So for you to know that when you're having conversations with neuro, if you're neurodiverse, having conversations with neurotypical people. And then if you're neurotypical, having conversations with neurodiverse people, same applies, There's but the expressions might look slightly different. So they might be interested in you, but they might not be looking at you like, you know, my tendency, like I was just doing it now, um, staring at birds outside. <laughs> but doesn't mean I'm not interested. I'm actually still engaged and um, learning, learning every day how to be a little bit more connected and a little bit more eye contact every day. So just being mindful of people's expressions and being able to mm, kind of read those cues. And it takes practice. So not to think that you have to be perfect at it at first. And sometimes even it can be fun to watch a TV show and or something and like, go through look at the body language of the characters on it and just for your own self like guess oh is that person open to conversation is that person close to conversation and um, so you can do that before actually being in an environment with somebody to have to try and test it on real life people you can test it on uh, the expressions even cartoons and things like anime are very expressive and they will use expressions on the face so you can tell whether like the character is open or the character is closed so that can all be really helpful as well and uh, we're going to head to our next commercial break uh, wow so we're at the end of the show the next part we're going to talk about is like physical uh, contact and uh, physical distancing um, when you're neurodiverse uh, around people who, you know, you might feel like throwing yourself on them or whatever. My niece does that to me. She will like see me and throw her body on me, which I think is adorable. I like it, but not, maybe not everybody does. Um, so uh, yeah, so that is what it is. But um, we're going to talk about physical proximity. And then I think I'm going to have to do a, a show later on about you know, the five love languages for neurodiversity, they are the same love languages, but how they're, they're actually really important to know, uh, especially if you're neurodiverse, it can be really helpful. So that's something to look forward to in the future. If you haven't already listened to the book of the five love languages by Gary Coleman, get it. Uh, Chapman, Gary Chapman, sorry. Gary Chapman, I don't know why I said Coleman, but it, that was an actor. <laughs> I meant Chapman. So um, get the book, The Five Love Languages, especially if you're neurodiverse. So you can start to understand some cues that people have about love, and then you can actually deliver their love, primary love language, and your primary love language can be delivered as well. That's super helpful. So we're going to head to our next commercial break. You're listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network, and we'll be right back after this commercial. Are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melitza Yelenich. 
where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone Radio Show with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich. You'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life, and quite possibly, other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Milica every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich. To participate in the program today, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email, info at MelitzaYelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, my sweet, sweet pleasure seekers. Oh, what a fun conversation all about neurodiversity and communication and relationships which I didn't really get so much to but I will in another show but this is kind of getting you into um, some basics right so if you can have some communication and some communication um, tools then going into relationship will well those tools will be helpful for you going into relationship so that's where we're starting at and so um, the next, when I went to break, we had been talking about all things like nonverbal communication tips about body language and facial expressions and things like that. So to look at people's faces and it might take some practice. Like I was saying, you, you might need to like watch some TV shows and um, see what some of the verbal cues people give on TV shows are or movies or whatever you like, or even like anime might have some verbal cues for you. Uh, ver sorry, verbal and nonverbal cues. So the nonverbal cues might be like raising the eyebrows and like, ooh, what's that? Curiosity. Uh, or um, turning their head away out of disinterest or, or possibly just out of um, being distracted. So there's there are a few things to look for. And I think watching them in shows, you can even like make it a game. Um, you can, you know, write down or make a list of how many times you see a person that looks open and how many times you see a person that is turning away from somebody or has uh, nonverbal cues that look like they're not interested. You know, you can make columns, write down points for that if you want, because sometimes making things games is fun. <laughs> so make it into a game for fun. So uh, one of the other nonverbal cues has to do with how close we stand to people. So physical proximity. And that's been an interesting one during COVID in general with everybody having, um, you know, the last few years. <clears throat> and I'm glad that we're not still at the six, the six foot uh, space because I do like to be close to people but I like would like to bring it back into um shopping actually like I don't like when people stand right behind me when I'm buying my groceries and they can like see what I'm putting into my pen and I like the other day that happened and I think I gave the guy a best glare like dude you're staring at my hand you mm. I was like really mad so yeah that was funny and not but uh, I think he got the death glare because he did turn around and walked away. And uh, 
I like right now the biggest blue jay of all time outside my window. I'm so cute. Anyhow, so physical, physical proximity. Um, the so keeping your distance. So generally, people want like an arm's length distance from them. So whatever that happens to be for you, that could be if you're, you know, little or you know, it might be two feet or two and a half feet. If you're taller, it might be three to four feet. I'm not usually four because not that many people are eight feet tall, but three feet maybe um, is about normal. So just keeping some distance. Uh, that's actually like a good just in general like rule of thumb because people can feel very encroached on when you get stand really close my father-in-law is like the closest speaker talker stander of all time and he stands really close and he talks to you and it's like whoa you're really close so so um yeah it's something that not people aren't always aware of and and um i notice it a lot like when i'm watching shows especially from the 1960s and recently i was uh watching all the original um, Doctor Who from 1963 and when they filmed them I think they had to have everybody stand really close to each other so they would fit in the frame so people talk to each other and they're like three centimeters apart it's so awkward and like when I watch it I actually feel uncomfortable <laughs> so physical proximity keep your distance until you feel comfortable well especially you can kind of tell if other people feel comfortable if they start backing up then you probably are too close if they're leaning in you're probably okay but if they are backing up don't keep walking towards them if they're backing up just let them back up until they feel like they're in a good spot so um also loudness volume when you're talking um Sorry, loudness in the environment, not necessarily like when you're talking, because these are nonverbal cues. So um, although like your environment might have a lot of noise and it might be bothering you, that can be um, tricky to have conversations. in. so if you are trying to have conversation and communicate with somebody, you might want to keep um, to an environment that's a little bit quieter so you can actually hear and not be distracted. And then if you are um, if, when you are talking and it is a verbal communication to try not to yell and like scream and be super loud uh, or also not to be so quiet that somebody can't hear you so practicing your tone and your voice can be really helpful um, I know a lot of people who kind of like talk into their chest and they talk really quiet so it's very hard to hear them and then I have you know my dad who is a very loud talker uh, so you could hear him from like across field <laughs> he's incredibly loud so those are all interesting um things that we can pay attention to and movements too like if you find that you really like to move around a lot when you talk sometimes that's distracting to people i like it i like watching people dance around when they talk but um it might be distracting for others so you know what thank you for listening to the it's pleasure zone with sensual movement artist milica yelenich the pleasure zone returns next monday at 8 p.m eastern 7 p.m central 6 p.m. Mountain and 5 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. We hope you'll join us. Until then, have the best week of your life by choosing to be turned on and tuned in to your body.